You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. This is a late-night edition of the Sixers Beat. Obviously, the news today, a while ago today at this point, uh, we had some scheduling issues, mostly in the fact that my power went out for like four hours. But earlier today, I believe it was Mark Stein and Zach Lowe initially had the report that the Sixers were in you know, deep discussions to move up to the number one pick. A lot of speculation about what that could mean. Essentially, Zach Lowe, though, went on SportsCenter and said that he can't see this deal falling through. Something of that sort, which is a pretty incredible statement to make before a deal is made. It seems pretty locked in. The only reports we've really had are the number three pick and an additional future first-round pick, which was from Lowe. And then I believe Adrian Wojnarowski said the number three pick and the Lakers pick. And I believe Stephen Kyler at one point said that trade plus a Sixers first-round pick in the future. Regardless of what it is, this is freaking incredible. What a time to be alive, my guys. This is just... <laughs> I, I I mean, I know that we have talked a little bit about faults and the possibility of trading up in the past, but a lot of that, the, the subtext behind a lot of it was, nah, it's never going to happen because there's really not a lot of precedent for it historically, let alone for the Sixers, and yet here we are. It's uh, It certainly looks like it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you look, I think it was, I, I saw this from, um, I believe it was Kurt Heelan on NBC Sports, but I think it's happened three times since 1980, and that's being a little bit generous with it because of trades like like the Andrew Wiggins trade, which happened quite a while after that, but it was agreed upon then. Right. Uh, you're basically talking about, you know, Chris Webber, Brad Doherty, and then Andrew Wiggins, and that's it. It did. This does not happen. This is very, like you said, pretty much unprecedented. It's it's amazing, and uh, honestly, it, this is better than the Andrew Wiggins trade because that was just sort of born out of necessity because of these crazy factors of LeBron going home. I mean, like, just in terms of team building, like, in, the NBA doesn't see trades like this. The two teams with pretty much the most assets in the league and the most ways they can go about trying to build a contender, meeting up and making a trade like this – what struck me about this was not only are the Sixers involved in this, but this just never happens in the NBA. Like, this is one of the juicy no. trades I've ever seen. Right. This is like an uh, – I mean, this happens in the NFL or uh, – and we mentioned this in the podcast we recorded yesterday. This is something that, like, hey, NFL teams make trades at the top of the draft and there are movers and shakers there. But, th- I mean, this there's very little precedent for – two teams in the top three, two teams in the same division making an exchange like this. So, like, before we even get to the the fallout of it and the positives and negatives and all that, like, we just got to take a moment to recognize how rare this is in general that it the discussions have even gotten this far because it's not like the people who are reporting on this are, like, low-level beat reporters in – City X. This is Woj is reporting this. Mark Stein is reporting it. Like anybody, any reporter of record is involved here, and this is extraordinary for two teams that are picking in the top three. It's fun. Like I, I, it's that's a lot of fun. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, b- before we even get to any of the details of it, like, it's just cool to see the Sixers involved in such a massive trade. This was – those couple of hours on Twitter, just, just hitting refresh, trying to get every ne- next little detail and sometimes getting it, sometimes not – was just it was great. It was exhilarating, honestly. It was Dude, very cool. I was driving to dinner at, after I I posted the initial story about the reports, and I'm like half trying to not steer into a a traffic wall or an, into another car while I'm trying to pull up Twitter updates and different reports that are coming out. Like the, it was just, and maybe that speaks to how insane I am about all this, but. Uh, it's a huge deal. I think there were a few people on 95 that that, that could have gotten in an accident, put it that way. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that's the case. It's uh it's I mean, when you start looking, forget about even trading for the pick. Oh, that's a huge thing as well, but you start looking at the core that they've put together of 20, 21, well, I guess Fultz is still 19. Uh 19, 21, 22-year-old kids, for them all to be acquired in such a short short span and look like they fit so perfectly together. I mean, they, they could have walked out of, out of three consecutive drafts with the best player in the draft, and that's a, a pretty easy projection, health permitting. That is insane. There's really only one corollary there, and that's a, that's a, a Seattle Supersonic slash OKC Thunder. Uh, I know a lot of people say the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't think Levine and Wiggins are at this level. I think if you had to pick the you know, the top four prospects of this group, I think the Sixers would have three of them, and again, not counting health. This is pretty special, and I've, I've we made this argument before. I think we had a podcast where we argued about trading for the, the number one pick, and at that point, it was just some brainchild of Bill Simmons, who ironically at this point now is complaining about the trade that he pretty much suggested. <laughs> He's complaining about that happening. Um, Shout out know, to Bill. It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was it was a pretty easy yes. It is a very rare opportunity to get a guy like this, and especially to get a talent like this who fits. It is it is going to be covering this team if they just get a little bit of help. Covering this team is going to be incredible for the next five years. Right, and uh, and watching the team too, since there's probably more people listening to this that care about watching the team than covering. Oh, the team. certainly, yeah, no, and I think both of you guys in the in the aftermath of this have already mentioned this in writing and tweets and so on and so forth. But this is such a rare opportunity that you can get a guy who I think has legitimate star slash superstar potential that also is the best possible fit as a player with the core pieces you already have in place. Like, I think there are people that are concerned. Like, yes, there is an opportunity cost to moving. And we don't know the final parameters of the deal yet. But there is an opportunity cost of moving future picks and and assets to, to move up two slots in the draft. But look at it this way. In any draft, especially in a draft where... I feel, and I know you guys feel, and the the rest of the draft community feels for the most part, that there is a very clear number one guy there. And not only is he a clear number one guy, he is a perfect guy to just slot right into the lineup that day one, you don't have to worry about, oh, where is he going to play? Does his skill set fit with the guys that are here? There are none of those concerns. Basically, the only thing you have to go into the season thinking is, how long is this going to take to develop and how long are these guys going to take to 
build that chemistry and become the players that we think they can be. And that's an amazing problem to have. If it's just a matter of, hey, we got to wait two years, three years, whatever it is, that's okay. If you know that you have guys that have superstar-level potential and your biggest concern is when it's all going to come together, I will I will sign on the dotted line for that any day of the week. Yeah. They uh to to be like the the last member of the Sixers core to to move up two spots and let, let's say I know Woj reported that it's the uh the Lakers pick and number 3. So the the 2018 unprotected Lakers pick. To me, I saw that right away and th- there is nobody who is more protective of the Sixers' assets than me because that, that pick is gold. I, I don't want to – I got in a few arguments sure. with people today. That, that is a that could be a really good pick. We've talked about Doncic and Porter. Like, that has the chance to be a really good player. That's the price of doing business to get Markel Fultz. That is something that you just do because – A Fultz in the hand is worth two Doncic's in the bush or something like that. <laughs> I think that's the way the saying goes. Yeah, that's, that's how it's gone for all these years. They uh, – God, how many discussions did we have about talent versus fit? Like, how, how much should we be valuing one? It's over. It's over if they well, get him. Well, that's that's yeah, it. If, 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 if. If, 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 if they get him, it's done. That discussion's done. Yeah, barring another another Danny H special. God, we were so close. This would be this would be the all-timer. I mean, this would be. Well, they were close to trading Okafor, too. You've got two GMs where it would be another Colangelo special, too. This would be Danny Ainge's Mona Lisa, though, if uh, if this wasn't true. And like like you said, people have reported that, like national reporters have said, this it, barring a collapse, this is going to get done. So th- that's what we're going to go by. And if not, everybody can laugh at this podcast the next day and the five other ones. But it's just that Markel people Fultz, already laugh at us anyway, man. So I, 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 I wouldn't worry about it too much. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> he is the best blend of talent and fit. He's the best player on the board and he fits in perfectly with these guys. And that is a dream scenario to, I, I mean, I, it's like, I, I feel like I'm not even making sense right now just because I'm stunned six hours later that this is, looks like it's going to go down. At least. But imagine if it was framed as a number three pick and Michael Carter Williams for the number one pick, like that would, <laughs> you would be laughed off the planet. And that's essentially what it's going to end up being. It is, I mean, for all the shit that was given, oh, you don't, that Lakers pick is never going to convey. It's, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the pick swaps. I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> you could have had the fifth pick and an MCW. Yeah. You could have the number one pick. It's your choice. And thank God, Amazing. It, thank God it Amazing. didn't convey. Because if, if it was Chris Dunn and the, uh, and the third pick, you'd get laughed out of the building too. But the, the fact Absolutely. that it's unprotected next year, the 20% chance, it looks like the actually the, the lottery gods were smiling on the Sixers all these years. They did, the, the Lakers keeping the pick three consecutive years has, has helped the Sixers immensely. That's absolutely true. What a world. I don't even know what, what to say after that. It's been, uh, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, do we, do we want to get into Fultz as a prospect? Because, like, I know that we've touched on him in I don't know spurts, if I really have that. I don't, I, I don't know if we've really dived all that deep into him, and like this kid is—he's pretty amazing as a player. Like I don't—I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because, again, this is all still in principle and theoretical, and I don't. 
I don't want to go overkill and like wake up tomorrow and the deal fell apart. Danny Ainge is a dick and <laughs> everything. And Terry Rozier single-handedly ruined the trade, but like <laughs> we're headed in this direction. It looks like right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I also don't want to get too deep into it at 11:20 p.m. on a day when I woke up at 5 a.m. So I don't know how coherent I could be about any draft talk at this point. It is amazing that you look at it. And let's say the, that those parameters are true. You have Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, Sharich, still have the Kings pick, and still have one other pick. So you have the Kings pick and your own pick in the next two drafts. I'll tell you what, and I know a lot of people are worried about how much you're giving up, but having that starting spot with those futures picks, still the Kings pick and your own pick, and also max cap room. I mean, if you can't get from point A to point B, and you know, point point B doesn't necessarily need to be a championship because that takes a lot of luck as well. But if you can't make, if Brian Colangelo can't make himself relevant with this, then we were doomed from the beginning anyway. Because this is one hell of a starting point. It would, uh, you know, just the what you have to go out there and target when you have these three guys next to him. I mean, you this should be very doable and very quickly. I mean, this could change. We don't even have necessarily time to talk about this, but this would have drastic changes on free agency too, and a free agent period where they have real legitimate money to go out there and track guys with. No more Kyle well, Lowry worrying. If, uh, that, that was exactly what I was going to say, Rich, was that I don't think we have, there's any concern about Lowry if Fultz is the guy they go and get, because I, I don't see them giving a max contract to someone playing the same position that the number one pick in the entire draft is going to play. And so, I, I mean, I know that they've been throwing it around for a while, but I guess the only thing that question that it brings up is, does, does this change Ben Simmons's theoretical label as a quote unquote point guard in their mind? Um, yeah, it, 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 it brings up the question as opposed to like, let's say they draft Malik Monk then Ben Simmons is really the only primary initiator on the team. Now you have right. two. It, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, Brett Brown said after the year, obviously, no, we're going to, like, throw the ball into him after a team scores a bucket and he's going to bring the ball off the floor. We'll see if that happens. Obviously, I mean, the beauty of it is Markel Fultz can play off the ball. So they, even if they continue to do that or, or at least want to give some time to Ben Simmons doing that, Markel Fultz is – more than capable of playing on the floor with him. He is I yeah, I don't want to go too far into him. He's a very talented offensive player, man. He and, and we really haven't talked about him too much just because it seemed inconceivable the Sixers could get their hands on him. What uh I, I you don't want to get too far into this. So so what's the I've been wondering, what's the motivation for Boston? I guess that's the million dollar question, right? Uh, uh, it it so uh, some of the reports have been, and Derek, I think you're probably more plugged in than maybe I am or Rich is, but there's been fl- reports out there that some of this is, there's speculation it might be tied to a three-way deal with Chicago for Jimmy Butler and that that's the reason why it's all picks involved because they want to stock up on as many uh, fungible assets as they can, and so I could buy that. But even still, like the whole thing is, it seems very muddy right now. So, and uh, again, because of how I view this draft, and I know you guys view it the same way, 
Fultz is the clear number one guy to me. So regardless of what Boston is trying to get out of this, it just doesn't seem all that smart on their end to pass on the clear best prospect here when they seem like they have a long way to go, regardless of the the route they're taking in the future. I mean, the only thing I could be thinking is that they believe they can get Gordon Hayward, they want to trade for Paul George or Jimmy Butler, and they think that's going to get him a title. That That's the only thing I could be thinking, because I'm with you. I've, I've been saying from the beginning, I thought their best play was to was to draft Markel Fultz and do what they had to do to build a long-term team around him. We'll see. It, it looks like Danny might have different plans. I, yeah, I, I don't, I can't really figure out what's worse. It is, I, I don't really agree with competing now just because, or going all in to compete now because yeah. the Warriors are so good. But on the other hand, like, if, if you're going to go the long route, the best option would be to just draft Fultz, right? Because, I mean, God, there is speculation that, that, that they really like Josh Jackson over the past couple of days. And man, like, look, it, with the caveat that nobody knows exactly how the draft's going to turn out. If Markel Fultz isn't the top guy on your board, man, you're, you're really going away from the consensus. Yeah, like, what are you even doing? Like, I, I don't even know what you're watching at that point. And you know, <laughs> I forget who I saw this tweet from, but it was a, it was a good tweet. Uh, it might have been uh, Ben Thompson, the great Danny Ainge who traded up to draft Kelly Olenek over Giannis. So let's not act like he can't make a mistake in the draft, and if he thinks Jackson's a better prospect, then it, it should cause you to reevaluate everything because he has had misses, as everybody does. But He's such a weird GM, though, because his trading record is excellent. Oh, yeah. But his draft absolutely. record is very spotty. So this is a combination of the two here. <laughs> well, so speaking of, do you, have you got, do you guys think any of the – so there are definitely some detractors of this trade. I'm sure you guys have seen this in your, your mentions and elsewhere as well. Do you guys think that – because this is something I believe based on what I've read so far from fans of ours. But do you guys think some of the backlash to the trade or some of the hesitation is just that there's a general distrust of Brian Colangelo to make this move? Because I feel like – if Sam Hankey was in charge and this exact same rumor was out there, the people who are our diehard fans and our like core audience, I feel like they'd be all in and not even really consider the ramifications. Whereas right now, I feel like the the vast majority that I've seen are very excited, but there is a pretty sizable percentage of the fan base that's like, eh, I don't know about this. And I, I think part of that at least can be attributed to the distrust of Colangelo more broadly. Yeah, I I definitely noticed that as well. And and we'll see. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the exact details of the trade aren't official yet. The trade isn't official yet. But if, uh, if Sam Hinkie made this deal with just the same exact deal, I feel like this would get pretty much a 100% approval rating. I think this is something he would do. Like, and, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got, I got into that debate today and the argument was basically that he valued quantity of picks because he was, he knew that he wasn't going to get everyone right. But he also, I mean, he basically staked his entire reputation and basketball career on the fact that drafting at the top of the draft has far more value than even a couple slots behind. Because if he felt like 
you know, if if he didn't feel like the number one pick had a much greater chance of success, he would have, I don't know, signed a free agent or two, won 10 more games, and drafted, you know, Brandon Ingram instead of Ben Simmons. Uh, it, it's very much in line with what Hinky was going for. I think, I, I mean, I think it was pretty, it's pretty clear that the number one pick is a much greater odds of success. Wasn't the main fear for Colangelo that he would trade these high-value picks for veterans that need to be maxed out who were just slightly above average but weren't going to win you anything? I mean, this is not that. So I, 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 opposite. It's the exact opposite. So, I mean, it's, it's what you open the podcast with there. 19, 21, 22. That's how old the, the three core members of the Sixers are. And if, and if you can't get behind that, that with the talent level of those three players and the matching skill sets and all the other things they still have in the cupboard, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. Yeah. Like, I mean, to, to put it bluntly, they're not trading for fucking Jermaine O'Neal. Like, this isn't. This is not some of the moves that Colangelo has made in the past at other stops. This, this is the the biggest blue chip prospect in the draft. The guy who fits amazingly with the guys they already have on hand. Like, I don't know how you could possibly spin this into a negative. And it, you guys know I'm I'm more than happy to take the side of negativity. I'm not exactly uh, sunshine and rainbows over here at all times, but. When you look at the outcome of this potential deal and with keeping in mind that it is still a potential deal at this point and nothing's been finalized, it's very hard to find a way to complain about this. And we'll see what the, the, the final result is, but come on, man. Like, live a little bit. This is fun. This is These are the moments as a, a fan of, or somebody who follows the basketball team this is what you're waiting for. This is exciting shit, man. He turned 19 two weeks ago. He played that entire freshman season at 18. It's insane when you think that Josh Jackson is two years older than him and has a broken-ass jump shot, and people are going to complain about it. I mean, I, look, I get, like Rich said, that Lakers pick can end up being a very high-value pick, but you hope maybe that Lakers pick could end up being a talent as good as, and that fits as well as Markel Fultz. Like you said, live a little bit. And the it's Kings not, pick still not, well, we'll see. But and you know, <laughs> if it's the Woj deal, the Kings pick could still be here, and that's a big deal in a couple of years. For Especially sure. when you have three stars already on roster. Yeah, like I, I mean, we've been having this debate for years. It's you want needle movers, you want guys who are going to push the program forward. And Markel Fultz, in my opinion, and I think in your guys' opinion too. He's the type of guy that pushes the program forward, and he is just, he fits like a glove alongside Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You need him to play make for people, he can do that. You need him to guard the one and two spot, he can do that. You need him to be a catch and shoot guy, he can do that. Like, there's, there's no way you can tell me that this deal would not be a massive net positive for the Sixers. And when when I put my big board out the other day, I didn't spend too much time on Fultz, but I, I did write like, "Hey, it did not take me long to figure out that this was the best guy in the class." I, I, no. I was I was pretty much there at the end of November after watching him play, and yeah, he's he's just really good. And and if the Sixers can get him, I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun starting next year. 
I feel like we're just gushing a lot, and that's it's probably the proper response here. It's do we, is there anything to be negative about here? Is there any cynicism or? This is a reaction pod, not an analysis pod. That's for damn yeah, sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, no room for nuance at eleven thirty at night. So <laughs> this, that 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 much is definitely true. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's so. It sounds like. There, there are various reports that they're trying to get him in for a work or not a workout, but like a, Just a meeting, physical and an interview. Yeah, uh, tomorrow. Do we think this happens this weekend, or do we have to wait? Do we have to go? You know, what six days to figure out whether or not this is really going to happen? For my sanity, I hope it's this weekend because if if they have if I have to watch Boston make the pick at one without any indication that it's going to be uh, – or, or that Fultz is going to be sent to the Sixers, I will lose my mind. Like I just – for my own personal sanity, I can't do it, and I, I refuse to do it. So if Danny Ainge and Brian Colangelo are out there listening to this, get this shit done and restore my sanity or maintain my sanity, whichever one. But I, I, I hope that's the case. Yeah, and I'll basically have to mute all of Sixers Twitter if uh, if they hold out until draft day because that would be brutal. I, <laughs> I guess my guess is yeah, the Sixers are going to have them in on Saturday. By the way, that the Aaron Fox workout is going to be awkward if that goes through. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be something. That that Brett Brown talk. Hey, De'Aaron, great job. Um, like and like they're they're kind of like just pushing. Folds to the side, like don't let him see you uh, in the background there. Uh, and Camden, yeah, I think they'll have him in for physical. I know uh, David Aldridge said that's they're they're going to need to meet with him before they uh, pull the trigger on that trade. But yeah, my, my guess is that just from reading the tea leaves here and and everything, I I would hope it gets done this weekend. It it really talk about coming out of nowhere. I still I had I was out doing an errand. I actually recorded a, a podcast earlier today with Mike O'Connor talking about everybody except Markel Fultz. And then I took like an hour break. And while I was coming back, I got a text from an agent like, hey, do you think this has any legs to it? And I'm like, oh, shit, what does that mean? And then I get back and it was just, it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. I never, this this came out of nowhere. This came out of nowhere. And at first I expected it to be like, you know, some not really reliable reporter that would generate some discussion, but meh, we'll move on from it in a day or two. And then I saw it was Stein and Fultz and then or Stein and Lowe and then Woj came out and it was insanity. Absolutely insane. It, this will be one of those, like, do you remember in 20 years, you'll be asking yourself if you remember where you were when you heard about the Markel Fultz news, if it happens. Yeah, uh, I'm still, I'm knocking on every piece of wood that is within a, a reachable radius of me right now because we're from Philadelphia, man. I've seen a lot closer things fall apart at the last second. So uh, I will say, though, the, the people I've talked to, it sounds it sounds very much oh, certainly. like a borderline done deal. Yeah, and like everybody that's reported it, at least that I've paid attention to, they're all people that whose word I trust. These aren't people that just not a radio host in Phoenix. Right. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Um, no, I mean, they're not people that just talk just to talk. Like This is definitely, this is real. 
and it's it's right there. So, um, yeah, it's I'm still trying to process it a little bit that the Sixers could potentially have the best player in this draft too. After they got Simmons last year, after they got Embiid a few years ago, it's just it's hard to wrap my mind around the fact that after all this tough basketball that we've had to watch, that they might be one of the most exciting teams in the league very quickly. Good for Brett Brown, too, by the way. I mean... Oh, I, I couldn't be happier for him. People who uh, who brought up how many point guards he's played, and, you know, we've talked about how the poor Brett narrative can be a little bit overblown, but, like, he has legitimately played 600 point guards. And 400 of them have been like D-league level players. To, to have Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons in the fold has to be, I mean, he, he just has to be so happy right now. I don't know, guys. It was three wasted seasons, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was- okay. Okay, Derek Gaskin. What the hell are you doing over there? What a, what a, how, how dumb is that comic going to look at this? Or that, that whole narrative. Not a comment. It wasn't one person. <laughs> that whole point of discussion. How dumb is that going to look if the hey, are we, Embiid Simmons score comes before? Are we sure that Markel Fultz is coming over? Uh, uh, can we confirm that first before we get too happy? The Chesapeake Bay Bridge, he's got to make it over yeah. there. Over yeah, up, up he's got to make it up the, the, the East Coast first. Yeah. he. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, I'm just thinking back to that night when he was checking out the Sixers game right now when, where nobody knew who he was. And... He was checking it out, and he said it would. He said it would be cool if if the Sixers would have him. I mean, I just it, it's even crazier to me now that the Celtics basically had him for the whole pre-draft process to themselves. Like he went up there, he took pictures with all the banners, and they were like, you know what, we're good. And I I just don't really understand it, but it, it, this whole thing is amazing. Just two historical rivals trading such a high value asset, and. <laughs> It's it's going to be fun over the next couple of years to look back at this. Speaking of, I, and this is another thing that, like, I know that we have tended to dismiss this in the in the past. There's also an undercurrent of people who are like, oh, you can't make that deal with the Celtics. I, I know they're in the division. I know that you got to compete with them. But, like, the Sixers are considerably worse than Boston is right now to the point that, like, if your primary concern is like, oh, that might help them later, you're not even in the same stratosphere as Boston is as a current team. And, like, I, I don't think that anything that you're giving Boston right now is like, oh, man, that's that's definitely going to make them a contender because people have been thinking about that, have been considering that same opinion with the next pick that now they're just like, oh, whatever, we're giving it up so the Sixers can take that pick instead. So the idea that sacrificing these assets to Boston is going to be like the, the the killing blow for the Sixers or anybody else just seems comical to me. Well, the the other one I get is this is going to be a Billy King trade in a couple of years. You can't you can't <laughs> Billy King a trade when you're trading for a 19-year-old. Yeah, you're not trading for washed-up Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. This is not even close. Like you have this kid for nine years, you basically have him under control for nine years. Uh, it's, oh, it's in, the Sixers are in a spot where one, let's say one of these three guys doesn't work out for any reason, they still have two studs 
and the Kings pick and another first round pick and room for two max free agents. It's insanity. It's insanity. Oh, this is, it, it really, for a team that's been irrelevant for the better part of 30 years outside of one brief little glimpse uh, in the, the early 2000s, this is, this is a long time coming. This is a, a fan base that deserves this. It's going to be great. Should be great. Knock on wood. Should be great. Should be great. <laughs> I, I Again, I have to emphasize, we are from Philadelphia. A lot of other shit has gone wrong that we didn't expect to. So I, I don't count my chickens before they hatch. Yeah, God, remember Imagine Remember that. when the Sixers were going to get Omer Ashik and we all went crazy? God, that was, that was tough. <laughs> and that one fell by the wayside. That That's, that's what I'm thinking of right now. It's just, it is amazing. Though. Remember when the Joel Anthony, the Joel Anthony. Oh, that was a big trade. Yeah, trade fell through. That was a, the, a blockbuster. What did he do? Did he fail his physical? That was, yeah, that was pretty crushed. I think somebody else failed a physical. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it uh, yeah, matter. it was uh, <laughs> Donuts. Uh, yeah, We're not talking about that trade yeah, at midnight. Come yeah, on, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is about the time to talk about that trade, but, yeah. So... Yeah, but it's just it's just funny that you know throughout the process we have basically overanalyzed all these small deals. Like this is a gigantic deal. Like this, it's too bad this happened on a Friday because this would have led every national show tomorrow. This would yeah. have led PTI yeah. if they. It might lead PTI on Monday if it goes through on Sunday because who cares about baseball? Um, Mike Wilbon would have done the biggest heel turn in history. Sure. Oh yeah, DC guy. Oh yeah, he would have loved that that trade. They, uh, I can't wait to eat. think of all the agonizing we had though over missing out on like Wiggins and missing out on D'Angelo Russell. Like if if Hanky would have proposed this outcome, not that anybody knew who Markel Fultz was, you know, back in 2014. I don't even know if his high school coach knew who he was in 2014. He got cut from his varsity team as a sophomore. Um, but if Hanky would have proposed this outcome with, you know, Fultz, Simmons, and Bede, and with all the cap space and draft picks still to come, this is pretty damn close. Again, this is pretty damn close to best-case scenario. It's insane. Yeah, that's... Easiest four years of my life I ever wasted. (laughs) It wasn't wasted, Derek. You spent it with us. (laughs) All right, you're talking me out of it, but it's still good. <laughs> All right. Well, I think people have um, listened to enough rambling from the three of us for now. I just hope I have a clear direction of who I should be writing about come next week. I have, I have like, five scouting reports that I've kind of been, like, meandering through, and then I have four people that I'm scheduled to have podcasts with, and I have no idea what to talk about right now. So I, I really hope this uh, this gets finalized this weekend for my own personal sanity, but. I, I'm for the listener sanity too. I'm thrilled that I haven't talked about Fultz yet. I've talked about every other player, so at least I can get a couple of days out of you know basically breaking down what we can expect for him on the Sixers because I didn't even touch that because I just thought he was going to Boston. It's good content, good content. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, thank you guys for jumping on this very late night podcast six hours after the news broke. Thank you, Pico, for restoring my energy in my home. Uh, and we will talk to all of you soon. Draft Thursday night. Could be an exciting weekend. Better be an exciting weekend. 
Uh, and like I said, talk to you soon. See you guys. Play on the plane, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBowlers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.